0: Even though we're going to split it up, and we're going to kind of do, you know, I think I might do the first fifteen verses or so, and then, of course, the first fifteen verses of eighteen is going to be God bringing Sarah into the promise. Uh, Then the next, the rest of chapter eighteen is going to be uh, that's where Abram, Abraham, is going to be um, not arguing, but. You know, talking about if God's going to destroy Sodom for the sake of ten people or twenty people or whatever, and then nineteen is going to be Sodom and and Gomorrah. And we'll we'll talk a lot about that as we get into that. So we're, we're going to just do one through fifteen today, but I, you need to understand that all this is part of one story. So eighteen goes with nineteen. The reason the the three men quote unquote men are stopping by Abraham's camp. Is because they are on their way to Sodom to bring judgment to Sodom, and all this kind of goes into the same narrative. So uh, it's it's part of a, a larger section. The other thing you need to know is that this uh, this the part of eighteen the uh, the y'all come on in how we doing Good. This part of eighteen is very close to seventeen. You remember what happened in chapter seventeen? Mm-hmm. Somebody tell me. What we talk about last week? Uh, Just because it... The broken covenant. Oh, yeah, that All was right. the
1: snip-snip.
0: Yeah, well, it was the covenant. God made the covenant with the circumcision. God uh, told them to... You know, circumcise each male, and he formulated the covenant. And he he made the promise. He said, "This time next year, you're going to have I'm going you're going to have a son." And Abram laughed. Remember, Abraham laughed, and that is the same promise. It's <clears throat> going to be repeated today. So you know that this was very close to that time. Uh, so Abraham, God appeared to Abraham, and he. Uh, you know, made the the promise again. Told him you're going to circumcise everybody as a sign of the covenant. He did all that, and then uh, um, the next scene that we see is close to that time. Chapter 18. The Lord appears to Abraham again. This is kind of a summary. In verse one, it says, "And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat as he sat in the tent door, in the tent door in the heat of the day." He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. So it, the Lord appears to Abraham. Um, the, the Lord, he, he doesn't know it's the Lord yet. He looks up and sees three men that are uh, approaching or, or standing before him. Uh, we know that it's going to be a Lord. It's going to be the Lord and two of his angels. And the reason we know it's two angels because later on in this chapter, the two angels go, the two men that are with the Lord as he's talking to Abraham are going to go towards Sodom. And we'll see in the next chapter that those are the two angels with Lot and, and all that that happens. So it doesn't really tell us right here that there's two angels, but it, we know that from the, the context of the whole story. Um, it's kind of unclear when Abraham knew that this was God. God. And not just three men. Some people will say that he knew right off the bat. Uh, other people will say he didn't know until a particular point in time. We'll get to that there. Uh I'm of the I'm I'm of the opinion that he didn't know. He it was just men. It was just three men as far as he knew. Uh and uh he, he realized as he they were having a conversation that this was not just three men, it was the Lord and, and, and we're gonna see that when we get to it. The point of the point of the whole lesson today is just to let you know where we're going. Is he's going to he's going to include Sarah into the promise he's going to uh, he's already included her into the promise but he's going to do it in her hearing uh, remember Abraham is growing in his faith he's he's not been the man that he was supposed to be in every instance but he is uh, growing in his faith he's coming along he's doing well he's he's becoming who God wants him to be um, but Sarah is not there with him yet. Sarah's not there in, in her faith yet you know she's old and probably bitter she hadn't had any children. And she's wanting children, and so he keeps telling her God has promised a child and God has promised a great nation, you know, and he's been saying this for probably twenty-four or twenty-five years now, and it's not happened, and she's, you know, she's hitting ninety. And so, you know, by the time you hit ninety, it's pretty pretty much given. You're not gonna be having no kids after ninety. And so this whole instance right here seems to be revolving around God interacting with Sarah. And so We'll see that when we get to it. Um... He looks up. In the hottest part of the day, the uh, people didn't work during the hottest part of the day. They kind of took a break, you know, a siesta. They uh, they stopped working. Everybody went to their tent. Everybody relaxed. Everybody did their deal. Remember, he's living in a desert, and so uh, they, they kind of stopped doing their deal. He's sitting in his tent in the hottest part of the day. He looks up, and it sees he sees three visitors it says standing. It says he looked up, um, and he, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and, lo, three men stood Stood by him. Um, in, in the next verse, or in the next verse, he's going to say it's going to say that. Oh uh, no! In this verse, he says it's going to say he ran to meet them. So they weren't standing like right. He didn't look up and they were like, "Hey, they're right there." dude standing right next to me. They were standing off uh, before him, opposed to him, opposite of him. That's what the that's what the word means. Now. Um, it's kind of weird to us this whole section. It just seems strange to us because we we don't think of in those days, hospitality, uh, entertaining visitors and, you know, people that come to your camp, come to your whatever. That is a, that in this day, that's a moral issue. That's a right and wrong issue. That's not just a, this is not just a picture of, oh, look at Abraham. He's such a nice guy. He's just treating these guys so good. How sweet. He's just a sweet old fella. Um, This is a right and wrong issue. And so it, it, what we're seeing here is Abraham is going to be the consummate host. He's going to he's gonna be demonstrating his faith. He's gonna be demonstrating his righteousness, his goodness by treating these visitors the way that they're supposed to be treated. And that's in contrast to what you're gonna see in the next deal when the men of Sodom they don't treat the visitors the way that you know anybody wanna be treated really. But they don't treat them very well. And so what what happened was, let me give you just some background, man, y'all are quiet. Um, well what would happen was these visitors would come if you were visiting like a camp remember there's no water, you're in the desert and so they call it Bedouin hospitality. In some places in the world it's still practiced Bedouin hospitality which means uh, y- you're kind of obligated when travelers come to give them water and to give them you know a place to rest because you're in a desert, water is scarce. If there is water, a water supply, usually there's a camp built around it you know and so People are wandering through the desert. People are traveling. You're kind of obligated as a moral issue, right and wrong, to to uh, to take care of their needs. It was a a moral a moral issue. And so um, what would happen was the travelers would usually come up and they would stand at a distance. And wait to be welcomed. Now it's weird to us because that's kind of strange. Can you imagine looking out your window and seeing some dude standing in your front yard like that? <laughs> I mean, it's strange, but it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of the. Uh, it's kind of the same thing as knocking on the door. Like somebody comes, knocks on your door, they wait for a response, and you come and open the door, they tell you what you want. When you come into somebody's camp in this in this culture, you would stand there and wait to be received. And so somebody would see you, like not a mile away, but just right there at the edge of the camp. Somebody would see you, and a servant would, <laughs> would come and would greet you and would take you and let you go wait for the, the head of the house to come and all those kind of things. And so this is not really... Really too awkward, but it does sound like the language used look like you know he's resting in the in the tent during the heat of the day, and he lifts up his eyes and he sees these three visitors standing there. So it's not it, the, the original readers wouldn't have been like, well, that's weird. They just standing there staring at. Him. They would have understood that their visitors wanting to come into his camp. And so what what happens is he ran he runs out to meet them. He runs out to uh, do what any good moral host would do. It says um, and he. He said he ran out to meet them from the tent of the door. He bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort your heart. After that, ye shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. Now, so he comes, he says, he says, uh, if I have found favor in your sight, if you look through scripture, I, I kind of did a little study this week about, if you look at that, it's always used when a, uh, a person is talking to a superior. Uh, if I have found favor in your sight, let this happen. It's always used that way. So it the thing about Abraham here is he's not just offering hospitality. It's almost like he's going above and beyond the call. He's, I mean, he's, he's basically serving these guys himself. First thing he does, goes and bows down to them. Now, the, the word Lord here is not the word Yahweh. Remember how to tell whether the Lord in your English Bible is Yahweh or whether it's Adonai? The Lord Elf. Huh? The Lord Elf. It's a lower L, case L. No, it's it'll, it'll always be uppercase in, in, in the Bible. But all the words will be uh, all the letters will be uppercase if it's what if, it is? if it is what, huh? What if it is uppercase. No, I'm talking about all the letters. We'll be totally Lord. We're just talking. About yeah, John. if you if you're in like the King James, a couple other Bibles, especially King James, if the word Lord is in all caps, that's what I'm talking about. LORD if it's in all capital letters that's the word Yahweh that's the covenant name of God Yahweh Lord if it's just capital L O R D regular letters lowercase that's the word Adonai which means Lord it could be it could be speaking of God or it could just be speaking of a guy talking to a man my lord what shall i you know that that kind of lord okay and so this that is just total LORD <clears throat> I'm did about it all Somebody like Sarah called Abraham Lord. If it's capital L O R D, no. If it's all lowercase. like
1: like capital is in small l house. small a small o small. I
0: don't think it is.
1: No, he's just saying. What if it I
0: don't be. think it. I don't think it's one in there in the whole Bible. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, you, well, I have to check because I'm not sure, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Now. Uh, Kuria, in, in the New Testament kurios is Lord and despotes can be translated Lord uh, but I think all those are capitalized as well um, even when when, when, you, when you're using a vocative, saying Lord you know, talking to even a person I think it's going to be capitalized um, but that word Adonai is not just used for God is what I'm saying that's used for men too. Uh, when 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 a servant says, "My Lord, you know, you want me to go get get your sandals, <laughs> whatever, whatever he's getting."
1: Do you think that these three men were dressed a more superior way to cause Abraham to treat them a little
0: bit? I don't know. I don't. I mean, just in my own thinking, which is just my own thinking. It's not gospel or Bible, but. I don't think so. I think that they... I think that he thinks that they're just visitors. Up until the point where they ask, where is your wife Sarah? And then he's like, whoa. And I'll tell you why when we get there. Uh, But like I said, there's arguments to be made that he knew right off the bat that this was the Lord. Uh, So... Some people say yes, some people say no. Uh, The point, it really is still the same. By the middle of the conversation, he is definitely going to know this is the Lord that he's speaking to. And so he goes and uh, um, whether he knows for a fact or not, um, he is being their servant. He is doing what he is supposed to do morally. He's What we're seeing, the reason why it's here in the text is we're getting a glimpse of the righteousness of Abraham. I mean, not that he's righteous before God, but we're getting a glimpse of this heart of faith being demonstrated in righteousness. Now, for us being hospitable is not that you know, is not like a moral issue, you know I guess it is in some ways but, uh, in, but in the Bible, this hospitality this, this greeting visitors and strangers and all it is a moral issue even in the New Testament where it talks about the uh, qualifications for a deacon and elder and leaders, it says they have to be hospitable, you know, they have to be all, all those kind of things And so
1: that kind of held it sacred then
0: Yes, it was a matter of life and death because if you lived in the desert and your camp was around the only water supply for miles, if travelers came to deny them access, to deny them the common hospitality courtesy of whatever would be to sign their death warrant in a lot of places. So, it became a moral issue. If you want to go look it up right down, go Google Bedouin hospitality. There's still cultures today in 2017 that practice this and it's like a it's like an unwritten law code, you know, that this is what you're supposed to do. This is when when somebody comes to your house. And even in uh, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2. 2? Yeah. What does it say? It says, "Be careful not to be, be not
1: forgetful to entertain strangers, because some have entertained angels unaware."
0: Yeah, that's that's talking about this episode. Be careful not to, be careful not to. <clears throat> say it again. I'm
1: sorry. Be care. Uh, be be not forgetful to be entertain. not forgetful.
0: Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unaware. And so he, he's even telling us in the New Testament, this is what we're supposed to do now. Translate that to your modern con that don't mean every dude walk up to your door, or you like bring him in the house and I mean let, let's use some common sense. We're talking about we're talking about being good hearted, being kind to strangers, giving given to the needy. You know, we're talking about helping people in need. We're not talking about putting your family in danger or anything like that. So translate it into our context. In in this context, you got three guys walk up. Abraham, remember, he just saddled three hundred and twelve guys to go fight a war. Against five kings, he's really not worried about three dudes by themselves, you know, strolling up thinking they're gonna take over. He, you know, so we gotta use our brains. You know, God gave you the brain; let's use it. Uh, he said he basically just offers them the the minimum whatever he says let me get you a little water let me get you some get you some rest and wait here and let me go find you a morsel of bread right that's what he says let me go give you you know offers of what's common in three through five but what he does in six through eight is not that is it? he goes all out i mean gets an banquet. extravagant banquet he uh In verse 6 it says, And Abraham, after he said that, Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready uh, quickly three measures of fine meal, which is flour, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. Which you know what the hearth is. Uh, Make cakes. Well, three measures. That word measure is a, I wrote it down. It's a bushel. A bushel? 6.524 bushels is what's in here it's a C S-E-A-H is the Hebrew word uh, and I quoted something in the outline Do Y'all, any of y'all have the outline? man I should have mm-hmm. you got it on paper? Oh, no. mm-hmm. you got it that's a long way to walk that's not very that's
1: not very hospitable
0: I didn't not we already talk about the husband-wife thing? <laughs> <laughs> we already think think we already covered back. that. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that is? You're a good encourager. It says, uh, this is a quote from uh, a guy named Victor Hamilton. So this is not gospel either. This is just one guy. But he's talking about different verses. It's in the outline. It says, 1 Samuel 25:18 tells us that Abigail made sufficient provisions for David and his whole band of outlaws with five seas of parched grain. Uh, the trench that Elijah dug around the base of the altar of Mount Carmel, which was then filled with 12 jars of water, was large enough to hold two seas of seed, which is in First Kings 18.32. So these two references suggest that Sarah's three seas of meal... Uh, is a large amount which would yield way more bread than the three visitors, Sarah and Abraham, can possibly eat. So the point of that is she made a bunch of dang bread, right. made a bunch of cakes. It wasn't just, let me go find you a morsel of bread. Um, and then he, he says, uh, where am I at? My goodness. And he took butter, milk, and and the calf, which he had uh dri- oh, and Abraham ran to the herd, and fetched a calf tender and good the choice calf and he gave it unto a young man this young servant and he hastened to dress it so he didn't go just get a morsel of bread he got what we in the south would call a buttload of bread and he got the choice calf and had the servant uh, you know, fried up or whatever however I ever do it and he says and he took butter and milk and a calf which he had dressed and set it before them and he stood <laughs> by them under the tree and they did eat okay all of that let me get that <sighs> all of that is simply to say is simply showing us Abraham has grown in his heart of faith to now he's demonstrating this righteousness. It's going to play into the story, uh, but a lot of times you might read this section and you might think, what does that really have to do with anything? Um, Abraham is demonstrating what the men of Sodom are going to not demonstrate. He is giving hospitality to the the visitor, the stranger, the foreigner. He is obeying uh, the command of God that we're going to receive later on in Deuteronomy. In Leviticus, where it says, "Be kind to the stranger. Be kind." He's gonna—he's demonstrating what uh, the New Testament tells us about hospitable being hospitable. Be careful not to be not forgetful to entertain strangers. And like I said, in, that doesn't include inviting everybody that comes down the interstate into your house. But it's just a—it's a, a demonstration of that righteousness. Now the focus is gonna turn to Sarah. And I think this is the point of what we're seeing here is because Sarah is not there yet. Sarah is not in the same place of faith that Abraham is. And before God blesses Abraham and Sarah with Isaac, uh, the promised child, which, remember, in the last chapter, he already told Abraham that within a year you're going to have this child. Before he blesses them with this child, he's going to come and bring Sarah along for the ride. He's going to uh, mention this promise in the hearing of Sarah, and he's going to confront Sarah about her about her uh, waning faith, so to speak, and uh, he's going to kind of uh, bring her along before he starts, before that promise is fulfilled. Y'all with me? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I've got, a, I've got a question to ask. Do you think that, um, and <clears throat> what they're describing with Abraham right here, you know, he's clearly the head of household. You know, you said he sent 300 and something people to go fight this and whatnot, you know, and here he is. He goes out and greets when most of the time a servant would do that. Yes. And he's the one that goes. This is almost like a, you know, it kind of gives a glance of what Jesus was. You know, he was the head, you know, he was respected, but he humbled himself. And, sure. you know, he, he washed their, you know, he got the water for them to wash their feet, you know. So when I was reading this, I just kind of thought, you know, wow, that's a, even before Christ was born, you know, God laid it within Abraham That even though he was a respected male figure of this camp, he humbled himself.
0: He humbled himself. And it says that at the end of verse 8, where it says, And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat, almost like he's the waiter. Right. You know, he's serving. And that was another thing demonstrating his righteousness, is that he didn't. You know, most people you'll see this when David has interactions with some of the peoples that that are in the land. Uh, when David comes up, they provide servants to care for David and his men and all that kind of stuff. Here, Abraham, Abraham could have said, "Let me get some servants here to come wait on you," but it says Abraham himself uh, served them
1: because he had servants. You know, pharaoh. Yeah, that. lots of and...
0: lots of lots of servants. He definitely did. And now here is where the point where I think Abraham is going to realize there's something strange about these visitors. Because he says, in verse, uh, man, I keep losing my place. Nine. Nine. It says, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? Hmm. Now, Come to ask about your wife. Yeah. But first of all, what are some questions you would ask if you were Abraham? How
1: do they know her given name by God?
0: Yeah. First, how do you know I'm married? Right. How do you know my wife's name? And... His wife's name, Sarah, was given to her by God in the last chapter. Up until the last chapter, which was very close to this time, it was Sarai, right? And now God came... No more will your name be called Abram, but Abraham and your wife will be no more Sarai, She'll be Sarah. And here these visitors are that know the new covenant name that God just gave his wife and know that he's married. And, and so it, it almost seems like it almost seems like the reason they're here is has something to do with her. It's something to do with her. And Abraham, it doesn't... I mean, I can imagine what's going through his wife. I mean, what's going through his mind. Uh, He he just says, she's over in the tent. Behold in the tent. Uh, She's in the tent. And so I can imagine if I put myself in his position, I'm thinking... How do these guys? There's something strange about these guys. How do they know all of this stuff about me? Um, especially if you're talking about my wife. You know, I remember we, Dana and I had an insurance guy, and after we got married, uh, Dana had insurance with the insurance company before we got married. After we got married, we both had insurance with them, and I was talking to the insurance guy on the phone about, uh, you know, just stuff like we were fixing the deal or whatever, he said, well, let me talk to your wife. And I was like, uh, you, you're talking to me. This is, you know, and it was like, I mean, it was almost like, I'm going to jump through the phone and, you know, it, and so I can imagine Abraham thinking, you know, they, they're eating their choice calf, you know, it's like, so, Abe, where your, your wife at? You know, and so, he knows something something's a deal. He knows something's up with these visitors. He knows that they' they're, they're mm-hmm. not normal visitors. and then he says, "I can imagine he's dumbfounding questions are going through his mind. He just says, uh, she's over there in, in the tent, and immediately the guy the, the visitor, we know it's the Lord, but the visitor says he repeats the promise that God had just given Abraham in the previous chapter. It says in verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return. He says, I will certainly return uh, unto thee according to the time of life. That that phrase is kind of weird. It means this time next year. It means literally it says when the time revives, according to the time of life, when the time revives, this time next year. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, will have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door at, which was behind him. Now, this, I think this is the point where Abraham knew this is God. This is God's, this is the Lord. Because number one, he had just repeated the promise that God himself had given to Abraham just earlier in, the, in, the, early, in the, the chapter before. And second, he said, I'm going to return to you and your wife will have a son. It's almost like he is, he's including his return with the uh, the promise that he's given of a son. And this is, uh, this is when Sarah hears The promise that is made for the maybe the first time. Do you think Abraham told Sarah about, in the previous chapter, God didn't just say, hey, you're going to have a son. They've known that for 20 years because God had been telling them over and over again. The last chapter was the first time God placed a time on it. This time, next year, you're going to have a son. And now, here he comes. He's saying the same promise in the hearing of Sarah. Do you think Abraham, Abraham came and told Sarah? No. No. You don't think so, so? No. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just saying. Because I mean, if she'd heard it before, I mean, she
1: wouldn't like doubt it in herself.
0: Yeah. Know?
1: That's what I think.
0: Maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't have no. Well, she like scoffed somebody. at it. I yeah, she did. She, you know, she laughed.
1: Scoffed, and when someone does that, normally they're like, "Yeah, right." You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's probably, it's probably if if I if I was Abraham, I might be scared to tell Sarah. You know, because I've been telling her for twenty five years she's gonna have a son. I don't think she wanted to get her hopes up. Yeah. And remember when God told Abraham in the last chapter, Abraham laughed. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and that's why we're gonna name him Isaac, because that yeah, means laughter. After. And so it I can see that. I don't he might not have told her because he he's been saying we're gonna have a son. God told me we're gonna have a son. You've been saying that twenty five years, Abraham I mean, good gracious. Come on. And now can you imagine God said we're gonna have a son in a year. You know, he, he's probably tired of coming, to, he's probably tired of listening to her. I thought you said we we're gonna have a son. Why <laughs> ain't we having a son? <laughs> oh you know, he's probably tired, of you know, I don't know that, but I'm just saying it's almost like he didn't tell her, and so God shows up and he repeats this promise. Remember, he's talking to Abraham. But he repeats it in the hearing of Sarah. Now, of course, you know the problem. The narrator here, Moses, is going to tell us the problem. He says, "And uh, and uh, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. You know what that means? Menopause. Yeah. Men on pause. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Menopause. And so." Sarah this is an important this is an important thing for us to understand. Sarah is doubly cursed mm. she's i mean because her whole life she was barren mm. i mean that's just a given from from early adolescence all the way through adult life barren no children, no nothing and now she's not just barren she even if she was fertile back then she's past the point of having kids anyway so it's like God has waited for not only through the barrenness, but now she's too old to have them anyway. Even if she wasn't barren, she's still too old to have them. She's past menopause, past the ability to have kids. So it's almost like God has chosen to work, not when the situation is just, I mean, the situation is not just impossible anymore. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just totally outlandish that, that they would have a son.
1: Huh? He chose to work a miracle and to, you
0: know, strengthen their faith through it. Yeah, and, and, and for it to
1: see that when it was all said and done, no one could say that this was not God.
0: Exactly. Yes, and it, it, God is God, God loves to work when the situation is absolutely impossible and there's no way out. He loves to work when everybody's backs against the wall and there is no other option than to trust that and to see that this is God himself I working mean. to his glory. I and mean. so he we're it's told to us right here in the text to make us know that the situation is not just impossible, it's utterly ludicrous that she would have a baby. That she would have a baby. She was barren her whole life and now plus being barren, she's past menopause anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's all over for them. And so it says she had ceased to be with the manner of women. And because this was impossible, because this was ridiculous that what this guy said that Sarah overheard, that she's going to have a son within a year, it says, therefore, Sarah laughed. It's very important for you to understand. She laughed within herself. She laughed in her heart. She didn't just bust out in the tent going, Bah! She laughed inside her heart. She laughed silently. I mean, she she's thinking in her mind, she chuckled to herself at how ridiculous this promise sounds. And she says, Therefore she laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? I have a question. Yeah, don't ask me no nasty questions. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Nasty question. Well, this, this verse always brings up the
1: well, it says you know she lies within herself, saying when it, with that with that saying. Do you think that's something she said in her head, and God heard what she said? Absolutely,
0: yeah. I think that she didn't do any of this audibly. Okay, so I think it was all question. well sometimes there's well, there's the pleasure, the pleasure thing yeah. lots of people take that <laughs> to that. yeah there's lots of discussions about what it means when she says shall i have pleasure thinking you know I like, like her and Abraham going to get busy at oh, 100 see, years old or whatever Well i'm just saying i was expecting <laughs> i was expecting I was that hey that. that's not just me being Whatever. That's there. There are whole sections of commentaries and stuff written about what that means, and so uh, I take it to mean the pleasure of motherhood. You know, the ple- shall I be a mother? Shall I be blessed? And you know, she says, not only am I old, but the dude I'm with is old. You know, the you know, we, we both old. Yeah, yeah. He's he he's ten years older than I am, so he's a hundred, and I'm I'm ninety. And so am am I gonna have a am I gonna have a son even if, I mean if you're 90 years old think about it, even if it's possible even if it was possible to have a son and poof presto there's my son I'm 90 years old I'm be following a baby around at 90 years old I mean come on they only live Sarah lived to be a, like 120 127 something like that so she's even in them those days she's close to death I mean she's close to the end of her life yeah. gonna have a baby at 90 years old so not only is it impossible but it just seems like even if it was true, it's still impossible, but that i'm going to have a baby, and so she laughed within herself, she laughed uh, uh within herself she says am i going to uh am I going to have now Abraham laughed in the last chapter when the same promise was given, and so it almost seems like she's heard this i'm going to have a son for twenty five years, and so you can imagine. You can imagine, after 25 years of anything, it's easy just to give up hope. I mean, it's easy just to say, you know, I've heard that forever. People do it all the time with the coming of Christ. You know, you've heard all your life, Jesus is coming. If you're honest, you know, if if I preached a sermon this morning on Jesus coming again, if you're honest, you'd probably be thinking, probably not going to be today. Probably not gonna to be today. Probably not gonna to be tomorrow. I mean, you're not gonna be empty in your bank account and not worrying about your bills because you think he's gonna to come today or something like that. When you hear it over and over and over again, it's easy for our faith to wane. It's easy for us to be frustrated. It's easy for us to think, yeah, whatever. I mean, okay, I got it. I heard it. Yes, I believe it. But I mean, we're kind of past the point of believing something like that's gonna happen. In her mind, it was impossible. I mean, and by worldly standards, it was impossible. And so her laugh is kind of like a frustrated, uh, it's definitely a lack of faith, but it's a, it's a moment of doubt. It's a moment of just, you know, it's like a, a desperate laugh of, you know, it's not just like a giggling, oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's just like, it's okay. almost like she's saying, oh, Now? You know, now I'm gonna have a baby you know, you've been telling me twenty five years now I'm ninety and oh now I'm gonna have you know, it's almost like that kind of laugh, that kind of lack of faith. And and I think that this section is demonstrating that the reason why they stopped at Abraham's on the way to Sodom, remember it's all one story, they were on their way to Sodom, the reason why they stopped at Abraham's is to, to bring Sarah along into the mm. promise, to, to kind of build her faith mm. into the same place that Abraham's was, mm. is now. Make sense. Mm-hmm. We're seeing Abraham's faith and his demonstrating that he's, you know, doing righteousness and all those kind of things. And now we're seeing we're seeing Sarah's faith is kind of not in the same place. You know, she's, you know, whatever. And so she says, she laughs. She says, "Am I now going to have pleasure?" And going back to what you said, I want to go on the Lord deal. I, I, that's right there. we talking about where it said Lord in lowercase. We were talking about that a while ago. I know it's not referring to God, but I'm just saying. Yeah, when you see that? Low, all lowercase. Oh yeah, there it is, all lowercase. That's. I have to look it up, but if I was willing to bet, I'm going to say that's that's Adonai because she's talking about Abraham. Right. So she's not talking about Yahweh. Right. right, I knew that. That's what I'm just yeah. saying. You know, I, I know that, that in different sense like this that it's right. It's in there. It's just the fact that you know. Yeah. Got the context. is Right. As as well, as as it's cap. Yeah, and it's capitalized when it's speaking of. Adonai as God, but when it's all capital letters, it's always Yahweh. It's always the covenant name of God. Okay, I didn't re- I didn't realize that. And so it says, um, "My Lord being all also." And the Lord said to Abraham, "Now this is interesting to me." The Lord Sarah laughed. The Lord looked at Abraham and said, "Why did Sarah laugh?" She laughed. Did she laugh where Abraham could hear? No, no. he didn't know. <laughs> so, what do you think Abraham's saying?
1: Uh
0: huh. Shut up. <laughs> what? <laughs> she did what? Uh, he he don't have a clue what's going. on. It says, uh, thirteen. And the Lord said to Abraham, "Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, 'Shall I surely bear a child which am? Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old?'" And then here's the verse that kind of summarizes this section. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything impossible? Is anything too... The word literally means, Is anything too wonderful? Is anything too difficult? Is anything too hard for the Lord? He says, he repeats it. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. He's saying this to Abraham. Abraham. Okay, Sarah's in the tent giggling to herself. And he says, Why did Sarah laugh? Abraham's like, All oh, like all husbands? Oh no. And he said, Is there, he's saying all this where Sarah can hear. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now that's an important question that you and I need to ask ourselves as well. Because, I mean, you're here, you're in church, and so I'm assuming you believe that Jesus was god and man and i'm assuming that you believe he died on the cross that he rose from the dead and i'm assuming that you believe that one day he's going to raise your mortal body and quicken you i'm assuming you're believing that god is going to resurrect you from the dead uh and if that's true and it is true why do we worry so much about the minutiae of life? I mean, is anything, you know, we worry about the job and we worry about the bills and we worry about the, the family thing and we worry about can God change this person's heart or can God do this in my life? Can God, and the reality is, the, is anything too hard for the Lord? At this point, this promise that God made was absolutely, I mean, from the, for the, from the natural man, it was stupid. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous that this 90-year-old barren woman would ever have a kid. That's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But from God's point of view, there's nothing that's too difficult. Nothing's too hard. If God can create by saying, let there be light and form all these things... and then we should have no trouble believing God can handle our circumstances. Not just handle them, but be in control of them. If I'm going through something, it's not because God is up there in heaven going, whoops, I didn't see that coming. It's because He has a purpose and a plan. There's absolutely nothing that is too difficult for the Lord. And so is there, should there be any cause for worry about anything?
1: No.
0: The right answer is no. No. Is it easy to not worry about things? Mm No,
1: because we have a hard time No,
0: it's a fight. It's a fight. It's a war all the time. You worry about this, worry about that. You fear this. You're not knowing how this is going to uh, work out. But the reality is that if God is who he says he is, and he most certainly is, then there is nothing, there is nothing that's too difficult for God. Even a 90-year-old barren woman having a kid. He asks Abram, "Where Sarah can hear, is anything too hard for the Lord?" And that word Lord is is I mean, he is is anything too hard for him? And he says What does Abram say? Nothing. <laughs> he turned he turns his gaze to Sarah. Sarah denied saying, "I laugh not for she was afraid." Now, it's easy for us to say cuz we are reading the text. It's easy for us to say I mean, she's lying. She is lying, really. Mm -hmm. But think about it. She didn't laugh audibly. She didn't... She's in the tent. Nobody saw her face. Nobody saw... I mean, she was in the tent. It would have been easy for her to say, Hey, I didn't do anything. I'm just in here making the bread, you know, whatever she's doing. I didn't do it. It's easy for her to say. But now she knows, and we should know... God sees right down into your heart. You can make a case. You know, I didn't, I didn't say anything bad against that person at all. And that may be true. But God sees down into your heart. He knows. And he says the last, the last thing we'll look at is the last thing. The only words that he speaks to directly to Sarah in this whole section. He says nay, which means no. He says no, but you did laugh. And at that moment, we're going to see the next verse, the men get up and they go back on their way towards Sodom. And Abraham kind of accompanies them. And Abraham and God are going to have a conversation after that. But that's the last word was, no, you did laugh. You did laugh. And so uh, what you see here is, if I would name this section, it would be, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Her, her faith was not in the same place that Abram's was. It was not in the same place where it should have been. And he said, in a year, I'm going to come back and you're going to have a son. And she doubted. She doubted and laughed. And he, he told her, basically basically, he alleviated her doubts and her fear and her worry by presenting a right understanding of who God is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. When you when you and I go through these worries, fears, all these kind of things, we don't have a right understanding of who God is. It's not about just, oh, come on, don't worry, you know it's gonna be okay, God's gonna work it's we are we are doubting who God is. We are limiting what God can do. We don't have a right understanding of who this God that we serve is. If we fall into these worries and fears and doubts and all these things about <coughs> impossible situations. And it's a fight. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's going to be easy and you should just flip the light switch and never worry about anything again. It's a war. It's a war all the time to keep from worry and fear and all those kind of things. But the point, the focus of it is not, well, it's going to be okay. The focus of it is who our God is. He said, is anything too difficult for the Lord? He's saying, is is the Lord so small in your view, in your eyes, that you think that this situation is beyond His power, beyond His control? The point is not just, you know, chin up little bucko, it's going to be okay. (laughs) The point is that our uh, our God is all powerful. And he's all-knowing. He knew the thoughts of Sarah's heart without even hers. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. And if we have a right understanding of God, worry, fear, doubt, all those things don't even make sense. Because God is who he says he is. Make
1: sense? Was Sarah with them during this conversation? She wasn't, was she? She was still in the tent? I
0: think she was in the tent, and I think she stuck her head out. I, mean, I I don't know for sure. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. But she can you imagine? I think she's actually heard. Why did Maybe Sarah? Why did Sarah laugh? It. Why did Sarah laugh when saying you? Sarah sticks her head out to. I didn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of thinking she might. She
1: might be in there making bread by herself. You know, Abraham seeing to see these men.